This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ah. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC 243. Our main event is for the middleweight championship of the world. Robert Whitaker taking on, I'm going to call him Bobby Knuckles, taking on Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya. Here as always to break things down for, from a draft DraftKings perspective, hopefully make you guys a little bit of money. I'm your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, the co-host, the analyst of the show, the important guys. It is Chris Olson. You find him on Twitter at, at RealChrisOlson. Joe at Sun Tzu. Guys, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm just hoping that Chris steps up his game. Um, on Saturday, so we don't completely embarrass ourselves in the battle of the pods. Uh. You know, for those of you that have not been following the Twitter exchange, it is Rotowire versus Rotogrinders versus DFS Army versus Fantasy Alarm, the dark horse. Uh, three players from each team. Uh, aggregate score um, wins for this uh, slate in Australia. It's myself, Chris Olson, and Jake. Actually. Jake, you need to step up your game here, my friend. I know Chris dabbles a little. Um, you know, oh, yeah, that's it. DFS Army is going to be hard to beat. Rotor Grinders is going to be hard to beat. You know, we we can't embarrass ourselves here. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to just be beating Fantasy Alarm. Haha. <laughs> um, so watch let's the, watch uh, them win now. I know that watch would really that really it's be... it's a matter of strategy. It was interesting. Me, me and Marley were, were talking about it. I'm not going to oh. tell you which way we we go. But of course, the, you are. But but the debate is. You go cash lineups or you go GPP lineups. What do you do? It's aggregate points, so you know. It's interesting. It's interesting. We 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 have a bit of a strategy, but I, I can't I can't give it away yet. But that's that's what we have um, for the pods. By the way, the DFS Army team is uh, myself, where I also do um, soccer content. Shout out to myself. We are chasing the green yeah. Rotowire team, and, and I got to give a shout out because um, we're on Rotowire. Andrew Laird does a great job with uh, soccer for those guys. Um, it's myself, Marley, and Eric, also known as the Cash Game Assassin. Um, and I bring up uh, the Rotowire soccer package because it's part of Rotowire's premium pack, as well as optimizers, NFL, NHL, NBA, all the good stuff that Rotowire does. We're going to be giving away on this podcast tonight again a year-long membership to their premium content at Rotowire. It's going to be a contest involving the main event. So when we get to the main event, I'll go over the rules there. 
I will say, I'll give out the Twitter names one more time. You're going to have to follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun Tzu. We'll get to the contest a little bit later. I think that's, that's enough of the intro as we have a um, – Well, you're not going to ask me how I am? Well, I mean – I'm going to – I want. I was going to do a lead into it, but you cut me off. Oh, okay. And I had a well, plan for it because I was going to say it, it's a weird, kind of disgusting 11-fight card, and I feel like it's the kind of card that Chris is going to love. Yeah, well, you're right about that. I mean, I, I like... I knew the lead-in. I knew the lead-in. <laughs> I'll never doubt you again. But I, I do like these kind of cards because I feel like any card where I feel like um, people won't be paying that much attention, I, I like because I think that there's value to be had. I think that you're right. The 11-fight card, I mean, it, it's, it's a little harder to make value. So you're going to have a lot more of those maybe would-be scarce dogs, maybe not so scarce, but... Uh, you know, there's still plenty of value to go around, and we'll find it. So, all right. So, are, are we ready for fights now? Are you guys ready to go, Chris? Looking at you. Um, oh, I'm. I've been ready. I'm. I'm I woke up ready. Let's, let's do it. All right. Let's. All right. So there are weigh-ins happening. By the way, if anybody in chat, I want to. By the way, shout out everybody in chat. And I should say we are brought to you by Rotowire. Rotowire.com/slash/free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Thanks to everybody in chat who is watching this live on the Rotowire YouTube channel live on Friday nights. You can subscribe on iTunes to listen to a recording of that live broadcast at Rotowire MMA on iTunes. Shout out to everybody in chat Tyler Lee, Vince Roadrunner, Lee Ginsburg, John Tiller, Nandalal, Nan, I'm just going to call him. Nan. Tajik. You know, anybody else who I missed is going to pop in. Shout out, shout out to those guys. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, I think now we can get into some fights. Oh, wait, what, say, what, wait, one thing, one thing, shot. Sean. This guy I'm, I'm reading on Twitter, Aussie Van Zandt, he's saying everyone missing weight on this card. That's so, what I, see, that's what I was going to say is that weigh-ins are going on right now. Who's missing in weight? Ch- in chat, they've already told me to. If you guys are watching in chat because I kind of can't do everything, um, um, type in who is missing weight. I do know Khalid Taha has missed weight. I know Ji Yeon Kim has missed weight. So um, we're going to talk about the first one right now, which I think is a big, big issue. So uh, in chat, if you guys see more people missing weight, please give me a shout out. Am, uh, am, I, am I wrong or is that oh, – I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, am I wrong or is that Ji Yeon Kim's second fight in a row missing? I feel like she missed the last one too. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Khalid Taha is 8,900, taking on Bruno Silva – at 7,300. Taha, the favorite, uh, having missed weight. He is minus 225. The comeback on Silva is plus 205. That's a big weight miss because Bruno Silva is a flyweight moving up to bantamweight, and Khalid Taha has fought at featherweight moving down to bantamweight. And I assume the fight's still going to happen. It'll be Doc Purse, but he's going to be huge in this fight. Uh, the better striker. Um, Bruno Silva is going to need to get this fight to the ground. Chris, how do you see it going? Chris? Sean, we're losing Christopher. you. No, no, nope, we, I, me, me, and Joe, me and Joe are here. You're having issues, buddy. You're having issues, dude. All right. So while he's looking at that, Joe, how do you see Taha Silva? Okay. First of all, do we know how many pounds he missed weight by? I do not. I will. While you're talking. Okay. Um, I, I honestly think that this is one of several fights that are interesting to target. And if you don't have a real hot take on the winner – it's probably a decent fight to spread. I mean, um, obviously, um, you know, I like the way Taha looked, um, you know, in his last fight against, uh, 
um, Boston Salmon, you know, Salmon came in. Yeah, 25 seconds. Salmon came in with some, well, what's really interesting is how he won the fight, right? So Salmon came in with, as, you know, with credentialed as a striker, a lot of hype behind him. He gets starch standing in 25 seconds. He did not look awful in his prior fight at featherweight. Now, you know, in hindsight, now it looks like maybe that's his natural weight class, but he did move up a weight on that Niramani. Niramani couldn't finish him. Niramani's a good fighter. Um, a good, a good 145er, and he lasted the three rounds. Um, I like him here. It's, it's a function of, um, you know, do you want to lay 8.9 K? I think he's going to be low owned because there's going to be guys, you know, paying up to get to Matthews, to get to Tuavasa, um, you know, even to get to Patello. So I think he's going to be pretty low owned. So I think this is a sneaky fight to target. I'm going to have both sides, but I'm going to pick Taha to win. Uh, by the way, Taha, not Two pounds. the way, not the way you one want pound. to see. 137. No, I hate that. Because that means, that. really, you have 136. He missed by a pound. It means he was trying to get there. Yeah, see, it. I hate that. I hate that. I want a guy to miss big. <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, Prejeris, like seven pounds. Off. Like like Mackenzie yeah. Dern. <laughs> God. We got, a hurt, we got a hurt fights coming up next week, I think, right? Oh, my God. I love the dog in that fight. Love the dog. We'll get there next week. Yep. Chris, how about this one? Yeah, um, I, I, I like Taha quite a bit. I think he's a really good boxer. I think he's got a lot of power, and I think he's really uh, pretty good. And the thing about um, uh, this, the, the, the uh, opponent here, Silva, is that every time you try to look for him, you tend to get um, results for a much better, much more well-known fighter. He's kind of hard to find tape on. Um, the one uh, full fight of his I could find, was him getting knocked out in six seconds by a head kick? So um, that's something. You can you can go watch the entire season of Tough Four Brazil. Oh yeah, no, you're right about that. But I, I just mean like on the regional circuit and stuff on his regional oh, circuit and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. Um, from what I've what I've seen from uh, Silva, he looks like a a decent wrestler or at least a willing one, and that is uh, Taha's kryptonite or has been. It was his kryptonite in the. Um, fight against Naramani, although I know that Naramani was much bigger than him in that fight. But it was also um, the sticking point in his last uh, loss at Ryzen, which was also one of his last fights before coming to the UFC. So if Silva can get to his wrestling game, I think he could have, could be a problem for Taha potentially. But otherwise, I like Taha to just be the much crisper, uh, more fluid striker here. And I think Silva gets hit a little bit too much. So I'm going to go with Taha here. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for tape, you I, I have to make sure everybody who's looking for old fights, or just in case you don't know for some reason, NewsomMMA.com and go to their tape index. Every upcoming card, uh, every fight that um, MMA Lock of the Night does that page for them. Uh, you know, it's and, and also, reach out to Lord Honky on Twitter. I mean, I think that guy's got every fight in the history of, of MMA, including the old Tough Man contest. Yeah, I have uh, to reach out to him because... I just he posts all the gifts and it's great stuff. Lord Honky's a great follow. Yeah, uh, but the tape index saves saves me a ton of time each oh, week. It's a great time. All right, moving on. Gee on Kim, who was also missed weight, eighty seven hundred, taking on Nadia Kassem at seventy five hundred. Line on this fight: Gee on Kim minus one sixty five. Nadia Kassem plus one fifty five. Wow, is that right? I did not realize that. Just I was on best fight, best fight odds right now. I guess Nadia Kassem opened up as a favorite. 
Yes, minus 160. And the line immediately flipped. Well, that's interesting because I was pretty sure that I was the only one in the world picking Nadia Kassem in this fight. No, you're not. Um, that was the impression I was getting. You know, Again, I finished that fight on like Tuesday, and I finished and you know wrote up my notes and went, I'm going to be pretty alone on this. And I guess I'm not. I think she's one of the better, best cash game plays on the card. G on Kim is 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Her wins are split decisions over bad opponents. Nadia Kassem, not great, but she's younger, improver, dare I say in that way. Everybody hates on her, but she's super young. Um, reminds me a little bit of Jake Matthews, and everybody hated on him prior to now everybody in the world picking him, which we can talk about later. Uh, yeah, I think Kassem gets this done late. Uh, path through grappling, though it won't be easy. I just I like her gas tank more, too. I just This is a really close fight, and for me, there's a ton of uh, value on the dog. Chris, start us off. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as say a ton of value. It's tough to really trust Nadia Kassem, in my view. I do think she probably wins this because I, I think that um, we ha we haven't seen Ji Young Kim uh, shoot for a takedown in any of her UFC fights so far. That's basically Kassem's kryptonite. Um, otherwise, Ji Young Kim is just a boxer, and she's a decent boxer. But I mean, I don't think her pressure is such that because uh, she's going to really um, suffocate Kassem and and get her off of her kicking game, which is how she likes to operate on the feet. Um, also, she um, likes to spend time in her guard. She's good at uh, locking up triangles and things. In fact, I think she may like that a little too much. But as I said, Jim Kim isn't a wrestler, so we don't really have to worry about that. Um, I think that Kassem, look, as I said, she could get it done. But the, the thing is, the only person we've seen her beat in the octagon is Alex Chambers, who, I mean, no disrespect to her, she comes in and then, you know, gives it her all every fight, but she's not uh, exactly top-level competition. So, you know, it's tough to put too much stock into Kassem. I, th I think that, honestly, if it, if it comes out from um, that more people are on Kassem than I realized, that I would go Jung just because I don't think that um, Kassem should ever be a public darling in any context. But um, as it stands, and I have to pick a winner, I'm just going to say she gets it done just because I don't think that um, just sort of the one-note boxing sort of pressuring style of Kim is enough to get this done here. Joe. Yeah. So where I do disagree is I do not think Kasim is a good cash play. I mean, you know, her floor is pretty low. Um, there are, the, the is like minus 200 mm, to go to the scorecards. Yeah. There are people that I like um, more in cash um, in that price range. I can't um, wait to hear. I do think Kasim is an okay GPP play. Um, you know, now let, let's be honest, though, right? Um, you know, Kim is a far better and more technical striker, um, you know, and, you know, even as a higher credentialed Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. Um, however, she doesn't seem to want to wrestle. Um, you know, one thing that, um, you know, she has shown um, Nadia is, you know, willingness to throw up submissions while on her back. Um, I don't know if she's going to pull guard because I don't think she can actually win a stand-up striking affair. Um, so, uh, oh, oh, and the, there's some more narrative too. She had wrist surgery, so she's coming off a of wrist surgery. Um, I'm gonna pick Kasim. It sounds like I'm gonna pick Kim, but I'm not. Um, I'm gonna pick Kasim here. It's a fade on a fighter who lost her last fight to Antonio Shevchenko. <laughs> um, I just, you know, that was not a good look on her. Um, she had a reach advantage. Um, she was a more technical striker. Um, I, I just. You know, to me, that wasn't a good luck. But um, I also think that um, Kim, if you're looking for a punt, is going to be probably the lowest owned 
fighter north of 8K. I think Diego Lima will have higher ownership. So if you're looking for something um, to punt to, that might not be a bad way to go. But really, she's going to have to pretty much get a finish to earn salary. And I don't really see that happening. So I'll take the dog at 7.5K. Okay, let's uh, breeze through this next one. Zara Farindo Santos. She's a massive underdog, 6,800, taking on Megan Anderson at 9,400. Megan Anderson, minus 450 to come back on the Santos or Farine or whatever you want to call her, plus 400. Man, they're trying to get Megan Anderson a win. Big striker, hype train has not looked good, one and two, with that win being a fluky one against Kat Zinganu. Uh, got exposed in the ground against Spencer. Got beat by Holly Holm on the ground, so they brought in someone who, as far as I can tell, has no ground game, has nothing except the right hand. Santo Santos has some power, but they are giving Megan Anderson a win here. I'll take advantage of it. Just Dos Santos does not have any skills that I can see other than a right hand. And Megan Anderson, for the flaw she does have, is the better striker. And you take away all Dos Santos does, I think she'll be in a shit ton of trouble. So give me Anderson. Uh, Joe. Yeah, so obviously this is supposed to be a layup um, for Anderson. However, at 9.4K on DraftKings, um, I would preach caution here. I mean, we don't know. I mean, Megan Anderson at 9.4K, I'd be shocked if she if she made optimal. I'd be shocked if she got 10x. Um, and if she doesn't get a finish um, early, this fight could get pretty ugly. I mean, if I was her opponent, I would just grind her up um, and maybe even try a you takedown. Would grind her up, period. Yeah, well, no, nah, Megan's not nah, no. more. I'm more Nadia Kasim if I have to pick one. Um, in any case, There's I would. Great uh, Nadia Kasim conversation going on in chat that i'm gonna bring up here yeah um i would i would try to you know wear megan megan down right i mean this person's got nothing to lose right they're flying this french brazilian in to lose so there's no pressure on her at all megan in the meanwhile is going to be fighting in front of what 40 50 000 fans home country fight first ufc uh right is this her first fight in australia in the ufc i think it might be um, in any case, uh, I would plead caution with Megan Anderson. She's going to need an early finish to make optimal. She's going to need an early finish to get 10x. I, of course, I'm going to pick her to win, but I don't hate a cash punt at 6.8K because that opens up so much in your lineups. Um, I don't hate it. Um, I kind of do. Chris? Yeah, I, I was gonna say. Um, you say she got exposed on the on the ground by Felicia Spencer. I think she got exposed on the ground by Holly Holm. Holm, yeah. But uh, that's you know, which is which is um, unbelievable. But you know, I, like I expect her to win here. I expect her to win here too. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I think I, I see a little more in Farin than you do, Sean. I think like I'm not I'm not here to say like she's any kind of technical marvel or, or or she got a sophisticated game or anything but she's she pressures a lot she's got a good one too she can jab a little bit and she's got power i mean that's you know that's not nothing and i was looking and i did see in one of her fights she actually did uh hit a double leg taking her opponent off the fence so it's not like she's never wrestled before i don't know how often she does it that was the only thing I, i've seen of her wrestling in the three, four fights I watched, but it was there. So it's something to be considered. Um, I think that Megan Anderson, in the fights where people have pressured her, which aren't that many, she has shown a little bit of vulnerability there. But I do, so I do think whoever's going to 
pressure first will be the one to win. It's going to be really interesting to see who wins that battle. I'm going to give I'm going to give it to Megan just because I think the kicking game and the length is going to be a little bit too much. Um, but look, if 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 Zarya um, or Farim rather um, tries to go game plan on us and 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 gets her wrestling going, uh, what little there is of it that I saw, you know, that could be something. We we still have no evidence that she's corrected that uh, little flaw. Her matchup against Kat Zingano, obviously, we didn't get to see because of you know some weirdness with the the toe in the eye there. So um, yeah, I, I you know I'm, I, it's kind of weird to me to know how this percentage will go because do people not trust Megan Anderson enough to just gravitate towards the dog to save, or are they going to pay up for? Her? So I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, curious about that too. If you guys have any thoughts, but. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to pick Megan just because, as, as I say, I think she's the superior striker and has, has more tools. But um, I think it, it's going to be interesting, and I think it could just be sort of a slugfest. So, um, you know, interesting fight. I'm going to be on the favorite, but don't completely fade the dog. Like I said, you guys, I'm having such a hard time building a cash line. You guys are not helping with my case here. Because the issue you're going to run into as you start building is there are three big favorites. Now, I want to bring it up now just because the thought's in my head. You have – well, there's four, really. And you have to pick – really, you're going to have two in your cash game lineups, most likely. You could, we have Anderson, um, tied to Ivasa, Jake Matthews, and Patolo. Which two are you putting in? Like, it's, it's, it's really, really tough. And, you know, as it stood, I had Anderson in one of – in mine, and now – I'm not so sure anymore. So you guys did a I, convincing job kind of talking me off it. I will say you need to throw out for me, and spoiler for a little bit later where I get yelled at, uh, throw out Jake Matthews. I'm not playing Jake Matthews in cash yeah. games. I am. Yeah. Talk about it. Maybe we will talk about it. But you got you to play two of, two of the three. And because there's only 11 fights, when you downgrade from Anderson to um, Patolo or Ty Tuivasa to Patolo, there's not a lot of flexibility what you can get. These 11 fights yeah. are kind of brutal. You've not a lot of roster flexibility. Nope. Anyway, so, I, I mean, which answer the question, if you have two, two of those four, who are you playing? For me right now, it's Anderson and Tuivasa. Joe? Um, I like uh, I like Matthews. I think Matthews – Matthews is the prototypical Australian fighter. Um, he lo- We can do the, the, the fight breakdown when, yeah. when we get there. It's coming up. But for just a question for now, for those uh, two of those four, who are you playing? Which two? I would play two of as it stands now. I would play two of and Matthews. Uh, Chris, I agree with Joe. I'm taking the uh, Australian boys. Yeah. All right, interesting enough. All right, it was a good question. We'll talk about those fights as we get to them. But for now, let's go to Brad <coughs> Riddle at 8600, taking on Jamie Malarkey at 7600. Riddle the favorite. Minus 165. Come back on Malarkey's plus 155. Riddle, big, powerful kickboxer. Love the way he works the body. Malarkey, more well-rounded mixed martial artist. Has a takedown game. Could have some success there. I think this is a really good GPP fight. Uh, I lean towards Riddle. But again, we're searching for cash-viable dogs. I, I don't hate Malarkey either. Um, but I think it's probably... Riddle's a good GPP play. And... Just an 11 fight card. Riddle's one of the live dogs who his path to victory is probably through grappling. Uh, Joe, you start us off. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I pretty much agree. Look, um, you know, they, there's one. Take take away the narrative here. So that here's the narrative. 
Volkanovsky is going to be in his corner. He's Volkanovsky's uh, striking coach. Uh, they, he trains at the same gym as Volkanovsky and uh, Adesanya. Okay, so let's take that narrative off the table. Forget that you know any of that. You've got a six and one fighter, okay, going up against a guy that's younger and has more experience. There's one common opponent. Uh, Malarkey um, handled that guy quite easily where uh, Riddle was subbed by him, and that's his one loss. So if you take away that narrative and just look at these two guys face-to-face with their records, this should at worst be a pick'em fight. Um, and I could even make an argument that Malarkey should be a favorite, right? So I, I like Malarkey. Um, I'm actually going to pick him to win here. Um, I do agree with what Sean said, though. Um, I think uh, Malarkey is, is a pretty solid cash play. Um, I think he's got maybe some sneaky GPP upside. He's the better rounded fighter. Um, I, again, I don't understand the line. Um, I will have some shares of Riddell for GPPs. Um, but I'm going to pick Malarkey to get the upset here. Chris. So you guys can't see us anymore when, uh, when I have the screen zoomed in, but my eyes were raised very wide during Joe's uh, breakdown there. I like Riddle a lot. He's one of my most confident uh, favorite plays on wow. this card. I, I think that, um, as, as Sean said, he's a, he's a really good, uh, powerful kickboxer. And Riddle is just like uh, an average guy in the feed who tends to get hurt a lot. Not only does he tend to get hurt a lot, but he tends to um, not be able to hold position on the ground even when he tries to. He had, and in his in one of his more recent fights, he had a very tired fighter in front of him. Round two, went for a takedown, got reversed, and uh, got ground pounded out. I think it was the fight the fight before last. Uh, incidentally, he's been not he's been knocked out or stopped by strikes in each of his last two fights. One of those was against. Um, uh, Volkanovski that he, he he got knocked out by a punch, but um, I so yeah so that's a little weird that you know that you would e- even consider him to be at this level having taken two bad losses on the regional scene like that. But also what I saw in one of Riddle's more recent fights was him getting down and 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 grabbing the the leg and uh, manipulating the foot to stop a takedown and actually get on top. So there's a lot that I like for Riddle here. And I just don't see I just don't see Malarkey as uh, as a talented guy. I just don't I don't really see where he excels. I don't see where he's better than uh, I don't see where he's better than Riddle at anything. Quite Chris, frankly, Chris, wait, and, uh, you you are a bit misleading here. You're saying that, and maybe I misunderstood you, but I think maybe we need to be clear for our, our millions of listeners here and viewers. Yeah, uh, Malarkey, Malarkey did not lose his last two fights. He's actually on a four-fight winning streak. Now, if you're talking about his last two losses, you're absolutely his correct. Last two, uh, right. His last two losses. Okay, yeah. in, in 2016, which was three years ago when he was 22 years old, um, and it, the, the common opponent, that means nothing to you? I, I, I get that MMA math. No, and, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, no. so the fact that this guy, that Malarkey actually starched Abel Brights in the first round, uh, in the second round, and uh, Riddell got subbed by him. That that doesn't weigh on you at all. No, it doesn't because I don't. I I look at fighters and their skill sets. I mean, maybe maybe uh, those fighters are, are different and they match up. I mean, there's a reason we say MMA, MMA math doesn't work. Well, right, but in doesn't. this case, I think it does because if, um, he beat Abel Breeds standing, where Riddell is supposed to be this great striker, this this power puncher. And not only couldn't he 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 hit him, he couldn't finish him. He he got he got subbed. 
That's the way I look at it. And again, I, I agree with you in that MMA math doesn't always work, but I think in this case, MMA math is a bit well, telling. Well, but I feel like that's basically what you're hanging your hat on, and I'm going more on what I see from the two fighters. And I feel like that's the better way to do it. I Look, um, Malarkey just doesn't – I. The, the fact that he he can't – I haven't – or I've seen him not be able to hold position and get reversed from a tired fighter, by the way, who was on his way out, and then get finished in that fight. I just, can't, I just can't do it from a guy who I feel like is strong and powerful and has shown the ability to reverse on the ground. I just – there's nothing in Malarkey to me that says he's a guy who can take over fights or that he has, like, a domineering skill set that's going to prevail here. I just don't see it. All right, guys, I'm, I'm stepping in here. You're going to have to agree or disagree. And let's move on to Maki Patolo at 9,000, taking on Callum Potter at 7,200. Patolo is the favorite, the rightful favorite. Oh, minus 335. It's come down a little bit. Uh, Potter plus 305. Um, Callum Potter may be the worst fighter in the UFC. Like He's fighting guys out of the stands, basically, before he got to the UFC and got his head taken off by Jalen Turner. Uh, Maki Patolo has power We've seen him on the uh the contender series can grapple it's going to be better everywhere than, than callum potter my only concern is that he's flying around the world and making his ufc debut those are the only down marks to patolo in this fight but they are ones to consider especially when you have a bunch of other big favorites to look at here so i like Patolo is one of my favorite GPP plays in the card. I don't know if I trust him enough for cash. He's not a cash game play. I mean, he's not. A, he's not a bad cash game play. It's just you have to weigh all those options I mentioned about. I mentioned it's high upside, pretty safe. But when you're judging safety, I mean, those those narrative issues are something we got to bring up. So uh, Patolo is definitely the pick to win. And the most likely outcome is a, a he stuffs one Callan Potter takedown attempt and knocks his head into the first row. Um, in the first 90 seconds. Uh, Chris, how do you see it? Yeah, I uh, basically, uh, Callum Potter was a guy who, on the regional scene, just seemed to get by with his judo by the fact that he was so much bigger than everybody. And uh, that's not going to be the case here again. Um, I, I just don't see, like, even when he would use his judo, he would get reversed a lot on the regional scene. And, um, you know, Patolo is a guy who likes to pressure and really work the body and uh, really put his combinations together. I mean, if if, if Potter could get his, his grappling working, I mean, the one thing that you can have to hang your hat on if you want to take a punt on Potter is he's going to go for it early and often. So from that perspective, if you're like, oh, I want to take a shot here, then you want a guy like that because for DraftKings, obviously, take my he's going to do what you want. I didn't say put him, put him in cash games. I said uh, punts, but or, or GPP punts more specifically. But um, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't think Callum Potter is um, is a good fighter. I didn't I, I didn't think so before his Jalen Turner fight, and certainly nothing that's happened since then has um, has done anything to change my mind. So um, I'm going to take Patolo here. I feel like he probably gets a finish. Joe. See, I'm going to take Patolo as well, but but um, Potter is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. If you watch film on, on Patolo, he can be winning every minute and every second of a fight and then just lose it um, all of a sudden and fall off a cliff. Um, so I don't agree that, he, that he's better everywhere. Um, he's certainly not better on the ground. Um, and, you know, 
Potter is 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 experienced and has locked up submissions in the past. So I do think I am banking like you on the quick knockout. However, I'm going to be really nervous if this fight gets into the second half of the second round um, and, and into the third round because I will be biting, holding my breath that he doesn't, you know, implode, um, you know, so Patello that is. So I agree he could be a risky play in cash. He's also going to be extremely highly owned. Um, that's another thing to think about when you're playing Patello. Um, very highly owned fighter. I agree, though. I, I don't. This is not one of my favorite Australians on the card. So I'm going to take Patello. But I'm just going to say that if this fight gets late, watch out. Jake Matthews, 9100, taking on Rostam Akman at 7100. Jake Matthews, minus 365, comeback on Akman, plus 328. Look, I alluded to it earlier. Everybody used to love on Jake Matthews, and I'd have to defend the guy, saying, look, he's like 23 years old. He's had 10 fights in the UFC or whatever whatever crazy it was. Like, he was growing into his body, young guy improving. I know Joe always had an issue, probably still does have an issue, where he trains out of basically his, his, his dad's garage. Um, like, those those are, are all concerns, but that people were on him too early, too much, and, you know, and he's shown – Lately, he's come on, shown that he's a good fighter. I know he lost to um, Anthony Martin. Martin's a good fighter, and Matthews won the first round pretty handily. Got tired and lost in it. And um, did he get finished in that fight in, in the third yes. round? He yeah, yeah. Got he, got he got submitted. He faded badly. Um, this fight, Rastam Akman, you know, had a decent showing last time out in his debut against uh, Sergey Sergey Kanjoko. I think Matthews, his biggest – so everyone's all over the uh, – Matthews is going to take this guy down and sub him. You know, use his, Yes, Matthews can use his grappling. I don't think he should because his best advantage in this fight is through the striking. He's going to be a far better striker than Rostam Akman. Akman, you know, is moves forward. Is gonna, I think he's going to pressure. I think he's going to be the one looking for takedowns to get in top control. And I think as if this if Matthews doesn't get a quick finish, we've seen him fade before. I like the way Achman keeps keeps the um, pressure on. It's not that Achman can't be knocked out. He's been knocked out um, once as a pro, once as an amateur. It's possible. Jake Matthews, though, we've seen him do some weird stuff. And he, him at minus 365 against a guy who I don't think is terrible. I just think the line is off and therefore the price is off. So I have Matthews to win. But I think Achman is live, especially if Matthews slows down. Uh, Joe. Yeah. So, um, by the way, one of the best lines, um, if you don't know anything about Achman, he is a quite hair suit individual. Yeah. I couldn't um, find a way to work that in, but yeah. One of the best <laughs> lines about, um, Achman, it was on the, um, Newsom podcast where, uh, they said that if, if he shaved his chest, um, Achman, he'd be like Velcro, um, which I thought was hilarious. Um, I, as long as Matthews does not get drowned by his wet hair, um, I look, Matthews, um, you know, just just a bit of trajectory here. So it was a really bad look when he lost as a lightweight to Andrew Holbrook. He was, uh, um, you know, an 11 and uh, one fighter, 11 and two fighter going into that fight. Um, lost to Andrew Holbrook as a minus 500 favorite. Um, took a year off, um, had some surgeries, came back as a welterweight, rolled off three straight wins. His most impressive of which was against uh, Jingling, who honestly... He should have finished if he didn't get eye poked. 
Um, he was well, a plus one thirty dog. I, more of an eye poke. It was like a, a, a savage. He tried to just yeah. dig his eyes out. It was a savage attack on the eyes. He got a fifty thousand um, dollar fight of the night bonus for that. Um, Should have got the finish. Um, again, big heavy favorite against uh, Shinzo Anzai, uh, minus 585. Then now fast forward to Adelaide, fights uh, Rocco Martin, minus 150 favorite. Um, to Sean's point, gas is out. I think he is definitely got plenty in the tank here for Rostam Achman, who's flying in from Germany, I believe, um, for this fight. Um, I think Matthews, why I like Matthews and Cash is I think he gives you Grappling points, he gives you striking points. Um, he's going to get some advances. He's going to get some takedowns. Um, honestly, I would be surprised, you know, if he lost. And if he did, he either needs to give up fighting or, you know, move somewhere where they, you know, he can't doesn't have to train in his dad's garage anymore. Um, so I like Matthews a fair bit here. Uh, I think he's attractively priced. Um, I think he's a safer play um, than Megan Anderson. Um, I think he's a safer play than Patello. Um, I like Matthews here. All right, let's move on to. Uh, no, let's Chris. get me first, and then uh, uh, and then we can move on. Fight yeah. actually, it's only wanna, eleven fights, dude. We're gonna I, I, we're gonna wrap I, it up. I, I want to yeah. actually talk about the next fight. I, I'm actually excited about the next fight because I have All right, well, even the most. Well, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short and sweet for you. You you're right about. Um, you're right about uh, Matthew's opponent here, whose name is leaving my head. Who Achman. Is it? You're Achman. right about Achman. You're right about Achman here that he comes forward, that he pressures a lot. But what you what you missed is that he got countered basically all fight in uh, his UFC debut, and that's basically how Jake Matthews beat Li Jingluang yeah. is with heavy with heavy counter strikes, and that's what he's going to do here. He's going to have a million chances with Rostam swinging wide. And Matthews is just going to connect on one of those uh, counter hammers and probably going to um, be a setup strike that leads to a finish. I see this fight getting finished. I think that Rostam's style plays right into Matthews' hands. I don't think he's going to need grappling either, so at that point we agree. I think he finishes this fight on the feet, and I think he does it without much of an issue. I'm taking Matthews for the finish. Love being in the minority. Let's see if I am again. Uh, Justin Taffa, 8,300, taking on... Jorgen De Castro, seventy nine hundred. Tafa is the favorite, minus one twenty. Come back on De Castro, plus one ten. Great GPP fight. Um, I like. Um, you can't call him mini Tai Tuivasa because they're both huge. But I like um, the Aussie in this one. Uh, Justin Tafa, one of my favorite GPP plays on the card. De Castro, thirty two, making his UFC debut. Coming off the the, the contender series, his path to victory—he throws a lot of leg kicks for heavyweight. It almost reminds me of Joe's favorite fighter and Chase Sherman. He throws a lot of leg kicks. Um, could get some takedowns late. The problem is Tafa hits hard. The Castro's hittable. I think this ends quick. I'm I am going to take an overweight stance on Justin Tafa. Um, GPP fight. I'm pretty much all in. The lineups that don't have Tafa have the Castro. This fight. Should end early, and if it doesn't, I think the Castro wins, and he spends enough time in the later rounds racking up points where it's not a total bust. So, uh, but give me Tafa. I really think he gets it done here in front of the hometown crowd. Chris, uh, I admire you for having a strong lean on this fight because I certainly don't. I feel like these guys are pretty similar. They're both big dudes who are going to swing overhands until somebody falls. 
I do agree with you that if it probably finishes and you probably need a lot of it in uh, in your GPP lineups. The, the reason why I'm, I'm leaning to Castro here is because I just feel like he's a little bit more diverse. I mean, they both just wing overhands, as I said, but Sean, you mentioned the light kicks. He actually stopped his opponent on the contender series uh, with those light kicks. He, he likes to use them in other fights as well. And I've at least seen him try to wrestle before. I've never seen him uh, complete a takedown, but I have seen him try to wrestle. So that is uh, a point in his favor, I think, especially in a fight where, you know, uh, somebody might need an escape hatch uh, for when they get rocked by one of these big bombs. So um, I'm going to Castro here just as, as a little bit more of the more diverse uh, mixed martial artists. And I say that word kind of uh, with a grain of salt because uh, neither one of these guys are all, all that um, have all that much in their toolbox. But I think the Castro has a bit more. I think um, – he can he can turn to a little bit more. I like the leg kicks. Um, they both want to pressure, so that's going to be interesting to see how that falls. But uh, at the end of the day, I just I say basically what Sean does. You have to have a lot of it. Uh, but the side I fall out on is uh, De Castro. I was looking at weigh-in videos um, before we go to, go to Joe. Just anybody else miss? I don't think so. I'm scrolling through now. Adesanya underweight, wearing shoes and sweatpants. I can't tell. I can't tell if he missed the scale or just a little high up. He looked a little odd getting on. I will say um, those are the ones I've seen. Just kind of update. I thought Adesanya being underweight, wearing clothes, was a little interesting. That but is weird. Joe, how to, how about this one? Yeah, I mean, flip a coin. Um, I I think you do. This is a GPP fight. I wouldn't trust go picking a side for cash. Um, I'm gonna lean to the home. You know, the Aussie, the Mark Hunt protege. Um, both of his, you know, I guess his brother's a kickboxer as well. You, you know, you hope he gets some good training in. But, I mean, I I almost wish I could, you know, just say play both sides. Um, I'll probably be, I might even have more of the dog here just because the salary fits better. But I'll say Tafa, you know, again, I think the play here is inside the distance. I do think, though, one place where I might disagree with Sean is I don't know that, Tafa is built to win a decision. I think Castro. No, might I don't have, think so either. I might have better if, cardio. If it goes to decision, I'm picking Castro. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, fair it's... enough. Then there, yeah, that, that's that's the way I see it as well. Diego Lima, eighty four hundred, taking on Luke Jumo, seventy eight hundred. God, this fight's in the main card. This is disgusting. I don't get it. I don't know how they don't put. You know, look, I don't think it's a better fight, but I don't know how they don't put Megan on the main card. Yep, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Anyway, Delima, Diego Lima minus one thirty-five. Luke Jumo plus one twenty-five. Luke Jumo might be the worst round one fighter in the UFC outside of Callum Potter. Slow starter. He loses every first round. He gets the shit kicked out of him, and he's had two guys, two Asians, who have gassed out against him, beating him up for a round, and then he he wins the next two rounds like that. That's how he wins fights. It's it's kind of incredible. Um, oh no, one was was Dom was Dom uh, Steele. Yeah. He he's fought two Asians. He just he beat one of them. Anyway, um, it's just he gets hit a lot. And that Diego Lima, I can't believe I'm picking him to win his third straight UFC fight. Um, but he's back. He's in a better. He's in a good matchup here. I think he's the better striker at range. I think he is going to be able to keep this at distance, not gas out. I do think it's a pretty terrible DraftKings fight. 
But I'm going to have some Diego Lima because, one, I'm picking him to win. And, two, with how much Luke Jumo gets hit, he's going to get chin-checked, like, in his UFC career. He's going to get knocked out soon. And I'm going to have some Jerry Lima in case it is Saturday night. But not a great DraftKings fight overall. Joe? Yeah, so, metaphorically, if Luke Jumo was to have a do- doppelganger, um, and if anybody is a student of boxing, um, there was a boxer, a New Jersey boxer, uh, by the name of Chuck Wepner, whose nickname was the Bayonne Bleeder, um, who would just take all kinds of damage. And, you know, his claim to fame was that he could, like, last, um, you know, and he would just wear guys out by lasting. And that's Luke Jamal. Um, You know, Diego Lima's had a nice resurgence, happy for the guy. Um, I'm going to have – I'm not going to have a lot of this fight. Um, I will have a few shares of, of Jamal simply because of the salary savings. And if he can, like, wait this out and maybe, um, you know, uh, Lima gets tired of hitting him in the head, um, you know, maybe he could pull something off here. But I don't love this fight. Unfortunately, you know, on an 11-fight slate, you really can only pick one or so fights to to fade. This is going to be my, essentially my fade fight, but I will have a few shares of Jamo and, you know, maybe one or two shares of Lima. Chris? Yeah, so I I feel like um, I I forgot to zoom in and again uh, my apologies there, uh, Joe. But it's all right. I, I, I feel like there's uh, I feel like there's two basic kind of uh, fighters who counter strike. One is because they're really good and polished and it's just part of their skill set, and the other kind do it because they really can't offensively strike. They suck at it, and I feel like Jamo falls into the second. Um, category when he is forced to lead he does it with these big overhand single shots which um, tend to get him countered and hurt really badly and I feel like that's where most of um, the guys who hurt him that's a lot of where that comes from and Lima likes to do that too but Lima can also um, stick out with a good jab there I think he's going to use his uh, his length pretty well and he's even shown much better takedown defense in recent fights against in that uh, Court McGee fight so to your point uh Joe, this is a guy in Diego Lima who we had all left for dead. He he knocks out uh, Chad Lepre with that beautiful uh, counter hook in that fight. He has a good performance against Court McGee, who he also hurts him with a strike. Who no, who nobody really hurts Court McGee. I mean, he, he's not he's not a world beater, but he's hard to hurt, and Lima hurt him. So I, I think I think Lima's resurgence is is real, as much as people uh, might not want to believe in it. Fair enough. Because. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's powerful. I think he's crafty. I think I like the way he angles off to set up his strikes. I really have to say, I think he might actually be on the come up. And um, I think he's got more than enough to beat Luke Jamo. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm on him here. Powerful? <laughs> he, he, he knocked out Lepree with one, with one shot, a, man. He's got a wind, one shot a, a wind of 15 miles an hour could put Chad Lepree on his ass. And then, and then he knocked down, and then he knocked down... Uh, uh, what's his face? Who nobody knocks down? Or McGee. Yeah, it was a flash knockdown, wasn't it? Out like he's got. Some- uh, excuses, excuses, excuses. He scored sixty-three points in that fight. All right, Dad. Just, just saying. Tied to Ivasa, ninety-three hundred, taking on Sergey Spivak. Holy shit, sixty-nine hundred. Uh, tied to Ivasa. How big of a favorite is he now? Minus three forty. That's come down a little bit. I feel like. Yeah, lines are going all over the place. Um, 
all the way up to over minus 400 earlier in the week. Uh, Spivak plus 310. Just play Tuivasa. Sergey Spivak was knocked out by Walt Harris in 50 seconds. Uh, tied Tuivasa. Spivak's not going to be able to get to get tied tie down. The only chance I think Spivak has is if he has somehow improved his chin and weathers a first-round storm, doesn't get knocked out and tie gases, but I just don't uh, Chris. Yeah, um, I picked... Uh, look, I'm here. You got me? You got me? You got me? Gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. I uh, I picked Blagoy even off in their last fight, uh, the last two of us fight, because just um, specifically for the reason you mentioned, Sean, that um, I thought he could weather the storm and then come after him. I don't think uh, Spivak can weather the storm. Spivak was a guy on the regional scene fighting guys like Tony Lopez and uh, Travis Fulton. And if you don't know those guys, they're like the – the shop don't, worn. Don't you dare say a bad thing about Travis Fulton. Don't you dare. I mean, I, I just, I can't not say it. They're just, uh, basically at this point in their careers, they're just the shop worn guys who float around the regional scenes and give uh, younger fighters wins, is basically what they are. So, uh, Spivak won those fights like that. And I mean, his style basically depends on being more physical than his opponent. And I don't think he's going to have that advantage over to Ivasa. I think two of us is going to come forward and uh, and get him out of there. Really, uh, Spivak, if he can get him up in a clinch and try to make it dirty and maybe uh, tire him out. Although we've seen two of us has had a much better gas tank than the two of us that we saw in the regional scene. It, uh, seems like he really improved it pretty well. So I wouldn't even be that concerned about the gas tank per se. And other than um, uh, Spivak just making this dirty and and hitting a, a couple of big clinch knees or something, I really don't see that much of a path for him here. So, yeah, I'm taking two of us. Joe? Yeah, I mean, not much more to say. Um, I'll take two of us as well here. I think he's going to be very popular and highly owned. Just remember this is a heavyweight fight. Um, you know, this is by no means, uh, you know, don't be surprised what happens in a heavyweight fight. Um, I, I like to think that, you know, he will be helped by being at home. However, hark back to the uh, Adelaide card, which was at the last Australia card. Australian fighters lost the last five fights consecutively. So talk about having a bad night. Um, and he was one of them. So um, be careful. Um, I'm going to pick him. I think he's going to be very highly owned. Um, I'm a little nervous playing him in cash, but I like him more than I like uh, Mr. Coconuts. Um, so I will take him in cash. He's going to be popular, highly owned. Give me two of us. Co-main event, Dan Hooker, 8,500, taking on Ally Kinta at 7,700. Hooker's the favorite, minus 160. Ally Kinta, plus 150. Everyone's expecting a not great scoring fight, stand-up affair. And I guess on the surface that's true, but I, I'm going to assume I'm going to steal some of Joe's thunder. So Dan Hooker is 9-4 and four in the UFC. You guys know that every one of his UFC wins have come by finish? Yep. All of them. His DraftKings wins 96, 96, 115, 112, 121, 111. It's as far back as the DraftKings records go. But big scores. I like him in GPPs. I think he wins here. I, can to, like, I like him as a personality, as a guy, nice guy. Um, 
been around a long time, has got some of the exposure he deserves. Um, one and two in his last three, lost to Cerrone. Being Kevin Lee in a really close fight, you could say he's lost his last three fights. And before that, it was a win over uh, Nightmare Sanchez. And then we're back in 2015 before that, wins over Joe Lozon and Jorge Masvidal before this Masvidal resurgence. And then Ross Pearson. Like, doesn't usually beat high-caliber opposition. Um, outside of Kevin Lee, is only the big name, you know, that he's beaten. Dan Hooker saw him take a beating against um, Edson Barbosa, bounced back against James Vick, but win over Gilbert Burns, I think it's a big win. Um, Jim Miller's a good fighter. Mark D. Case, you know, I think is more solid than a lot of the wins that um, Ikenta has. I think on the feet, Hooker is going to just be too long and too dangerous on the outside. It could be a striking match, but I think Hooker has some sneaky upside here. Uh, I like Dan Hooker quite a bit in this matchup. Uh, Joe. So my only concern here is that, um, you know, Hooker needs a finish to, to score and win, which he, uh, all his wins are by finish. Iakint has never been knocked out. I mean, he's been subbed once. I don't see Hooker getting a sub here. Um, I, I, you know, again, I just don't look. I don't see him getting finished here, and that's where the narrative comes around a low-scoring fight. I actually think that Iakina is not a bad cash play because I think he's got a pretty safe floor if he doesn't get finished. I mean, he put up 90 significant strikes in a loss against Cerrone, um, you know, 111 significant strikes against Lee. By the way, I didn't think that fight was all that close. Um, yeah, he took a beat down as a short notice. I think Khabib actually maybe took it easy on him in that fight. Um, Sanchez, yeah, okay, you know, 116 points there. Um, he just killed Sanchez. Um, very controversial win against Masvidal. He, many people thought he lost that fight. Um, and, you know, Lozon has been on his way out for, you know, half a decade. So, um, you know, but I think Al is tough. I mean, um, you know, without was all about getting paid and his commitment to fighting. And I think, you know, he's made some money in his last couple fights. He's kind of seeing that. You know, he's got a few more paydays in him. I think he's going to show up here. I'm not going to necessarily pick him to win. Um, you know, I just think that this might be um, Dan Hooker's, uh, you know, first decision victory. Chris. So I'll be the first to admit I have a habit of underestimating Dan Hooker. Um, I might be doing it again here, but I just feel like if you can pressure Dan Hooker and get him going backwards, you can uh, – hit him uh, more easily than, than you might think. Uh, James Vick was able to do that, even though he got knocked out in that fight. And the times when he was coming forward, he was having a lot of success. And I just feel like um, Al is precise in his shots. He can really take some of that uh, length away from Hooker uh, uh, by backing him up, which I think he's going to do. I, I have to, I have to, I'll admit that I think um, I was kind of shocked, not shocked, but I thought that uh, Al was going to do a lot more pressuring in that Cerrone fight, and he really didn't. I think Cerrone used the jab to sort of take that away. I, I, I don't I don't think Hooker's jab is quite as good um, as uh, Cerrone's has been, especially in the last couple of fights. So I, I think that Al has a lot of things working for him here. And um, I don't know, like, like the points taken for Hooker, uh, I, I do like his uh, creativity and his striking. I think he's a decent counter. Puncher, uh, we saw him uh, really hurt Gilbert Burns with a counter strike, so all that's to be considered. But um, I don't know. I, I just feel like Al throwing on that consistent pressure and um, solid boxing. I, I think it might be enough here. 
right, let's talk about the main event. Robert Whitaker, 8,200, taking on Israel Adesanya at 8,000. Lions been back and forth, actually still going down. Adesanya minus 112 after opening up as a small underdog. Robert Whitaker, the champ, is now the underdog at plus 102. Look, close fight. One of the tougher ones to call. I'm leaning and siding with the champ, Robert Whitaker. Uh, Israel Adesanya. Look, he's a little hyped up right now. And there's a lot of, there's some strong opinions on Twitter on both sides. I don't want to make it sound like I'm an Israel Adesanya hater. I'm not. I just, he's a little hyped up. His only finishes are against Derek Brunson, who just runs in with his freaking uh, chin in the air. And um, Rob Wilkinson, like a close split decision win over Marvin Vittori. Like I know he's improved since then. Gastelum, he came on late, got a lot of knockdowns against Gastelum. Gastelum was gassed at the end of that fight. Undoubtedly, Whitaker's the best fighter he has fought. I will say that Adesanya is the slickest, most versatile fighter that Whitaker has fought. And that's what is interesting here in that I, w- I hope Whitaker uses his takedown game or t- at least test the takedown defense of Adesanya. I'm not sure he's going to. But at range in this type of fight, Adesanya let Whitaker let Gastelum close the distance. So I'm not crazy concerned about the reach advantage here, reach disadvantage for Whitaker. I just think Whitaker is more well-rounded, more equipped to go five rounds and win an MMA fight. I will say I'm all in on this fight in GPPs. It's close. You can stack it up in cash games. I do think we're going to see at least four rounds of action. I think we're going to get in, 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 into the championship rounds. I don't see a quick finish by either one of them. Um, my actually biggest concern about Whitaker is the durability. And that's because he's shown insane durability those last two wars against Joel Romero. Those things catch up to you. Like they, they just do. We don't know when that's going to happen. Tons of injury, you know, second comeback from a long, serious injury after this uh, most recent hernia. But again, Whitaker's got, you know, wins over Jacare Sosa, Derek Brunson, the two over Romero. Like it, it's an impressive resume, but when is it all going to catch up to him? Adesanya also, finally today, by the way, I saw a video today. I've been saying all week. Man, I hope he's taking this fight serious because he seemed overconfident and really focused on uh, Paulo Costa. And today he was talking about how he wants to recreate the Holly Holm moment that happened in that building against Ronda Rousey. Land a head kick, going to make that happen. And at least he seemed a little more focused on this fight because everyone's already hyping Adesanya and Costa. We got to get through this fight, guys. And I was worried he was looking past it. I'm coming down off that a little bit because if you're overconfident against Robert Whitaker, you're going to lose. So if he's in the fight, though, I think it's close. I still side with the champ. Give me Bobby Knuckles. Um, and I do think Adesanya is going to be more popular. So whenever I can get leverage on the champ, you know, sign me up for that one. Um, well, let's see. You know, Joe, I know you have a strong take on this one. So I'm going to start with Chris. Okay, good. Well, I um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna um, try to allay some of your fears there, Sean, because I have a, a bit of a stronger take than you do. I, I think uh, Bobby Knuckles wins here too. I think um, one of my main one of my main problems with Adriel Adesanya, and we know he's a great, uh, powerful, fluid striker. One of my main problems with him is that if you come fo- um, come oh, forward sorry, against Chris. him with, I, I have to interrupt you. I apologize. Contest. Okay, what's that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Go I, ahead. Go I, go I, go. I did not do the contest. Okay. 
as I mentioned in the open, you want you, you want to flip over so that the people can see my beautiful. Oh face. sure, yeah, 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 yeah. You see all three of us. Okay, so <laughs> contest giving away a year subscription to RotoWire, their uh, sub their premium package, one year everything in RotoWire uh, premium. You know, optimizers, picks, NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, soccer, all that good stuff. All you have to do, follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun Tzu. Use the hashtag FightIQ and tell us the total. Both fighters combined, total number of significant strikes landed in this fight. Not price is right, not over loses, just who's ever closest. Um, if there is a tie for some reason I reserve the right to have a tiebreaker next week and maybe we'll we will um, have ha- have have some fun with it if there happens to be a tie so that's, that's the contest follow all of us use the hashtag fight IQ and uh, win a year subscription to rotowire premium okay Chris go tell us why uh, I'm right and that I, uh, yeah. what it's gonna win yeah I couldn't believe you interrupted me I, I'm, I'm backing you up here man let's uh let's Try get to going but shit. I know, and that that's a great value too, guys. That's um that that would cost you a pretty penny if if you were just gonna buy it. So uh, make sure you guys are in for that one. But uh, onto this fight, I think that um, one of my main issues with Adesanya, for as great and as heralded a striker as he is, if you um th- come forward with him with offense, you can sort of freeze him a little bit. And we've seen it happen in multiple fights now. Um, a guy who's gonna work like um like uh, Robert Whitaker is, that's concerned. The other thing I would say is, look, it's hard not to look at the head kick that Gastelum caught him with and then look at the head kick that led to the finish against Dracare Souza in the Whitaker fight, where um, Whitaker, who has done this before, is very good at, at throwing his combinations, you duck out to the side, and then that head kick comes. Um, and I think that's going to be a major concern for Adesanya as well. I just think that... Um, the pressure and the kicking game and the combinations are going to be a little bit too much for uh, Adesanya here. As you said, we know he's tough. Um, we know he can take a beating and come back. Uh, I expect this to be an incredibly exciting fight. I expect both guys to have moments. But I think for the two reasons I mentioned specifically, I think this is Robert Whitaker's fight. Joe. Joe, you're muted, bud. Got it. Sorry. Okay. So, um, again, I've pretty much been a fade on Adesanya since Marvin Vittori. Um, I would have loved to have seen a healthy Brad Tavares fight Adesanya and not have multiple injuries. I was at that fight. Um, I would have liked to see a Gastelum with better fight IQ. Um, Be that what it may, this is the fight we have. Um, The only reason why I don't exponentially love Whitaker here is because um, 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 you know, the narrative, the time off, the the, the life-changing fights against Yoel Romero, um, recovering from surgery. Other than that, I am as confident as confident can be in this fight. Now, with that said, I do have a bet on, on Whitaker. I am going to be betting more on Whitaker from a DraftKings perspective. Um, I would have exposure to both sides of this fight. If you have the bankroll, um, I would essentially play, um, you know, Adesanya lineups, um, in parallel with Whitaker lineups. Um, if you don't have the bankroll, um, I definitely would go higher weight um, on on Whitaker. If I was playing 10 lineups, I'd probably do something like seven and three. 
Um, I would ex- I would narrow that ratio down um, based on how many additional lineups I'm playing. Um, but I, you certainly want exposure to this fight. Um, I would be very surprised if the winner is not on the optimal lineup. Um, both of these fighters can score in wins. Um, I do also believe um, it's going to decision. But if there is a finish, I see it coming from Whitaker. Give me Whitaker. All right, guys, time for hot takes for UFC 243. Guys in chat, fire them up. Let me know what your hot take is. Uh, I'll read a couple of them out. You guys, what do you got? Got any, okay. got any hot I got a bet. I got a bet that I'm going to give people here. This is a five-pick five par- five parlay. Um, I did it on the DK Sportsbook. It pays uh, plus 772. Um, I played this for $100. Um, Robert Whitaker, money line. Um, Taha money line uh, to win by finish. Yes, for Patolo. Um, winning group of rounds for the Tuavasa Spivak fight. I'm betting that the fight is going to end in either round one or two. Um, winning group of rounds for De Castro Taha. I'm, gonna, I'm betting that it's going to win in rounds one and two. Um, that again pays. Plus 772. Um, I like it. I came one Jack Hermanson victory away from cashing on a huge parlay on on last Saturday. Did not get it, unfortunately. But here you go. Again, Robert Whitaker money line. Khalid Taha money line. Piccolo to finish. Yes. Alternate winning rounds. One and two for two of Asa Spivak. Alternate winning group of rounds. Rounds one and two for DeCastro and Taha. Papa. That's that's quite the uh, parlay. Pays big money. Um, Chris, you got one? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, call this the uh, the unlikely finishers. Now, two of them are favorites, but they're not expected to finish. So I think uh, you can give me a ruling if you want, but I think this is uh, this is gonna be fine. I uh, I'm gonna take Gian Kim for a finish. Then I'm gonna take uh, Riddell oh. for a finish. And then I'm going to take uh, uh, Ally Quinta for a finish as my dog. So there you oh, go. Nice. The, the unlikely, the unlikely finishers. That's that's very hot take. Um, okay, good. Chad is saying this is a tough week for hot takes. I do agree. So the two I got right now before I give mine, I'll read Vince's Vince Roadrunner, but I don't think this is really a hot take. Patolo inside two minutes. I, I think that's the most likely outcome of the fight. Yeah, that's what people are, are hoping for, too. But yeah, that's, that'll, that will make the chalk hit. Um, non, probably the best uh, hot take in here. Uh, Aussies roll, clean sweep for the Aussies, which that's a really hot take because that means Calvin Potter's going to win. And that means yeah, you know, Luke, Luke is going to win, too. Luke's, Luke's going to win, too, which yeah. goes directly against my hot take, and I'm going to say Diego Lima chin checks Luke Jamo. Okay. Not going to be able yeah. to keep up that getting hit constantly in the first round. So I, I have a question. Does anybody know what the card is actually next week? Do we have off next week? No, it's there... Tampa. No. Oh, Tampa. That's right. JJ Watterson. Got it. We don't. We don't have off for a while. I was okay. looking. I was looking forward. Man, we're uh, we're working. We're working. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. I am. I want to pull this up real quick because because now I'm curious what else is on that card because I think I think we got Mackenzie Dern. I love I love Amanda Rebus. I I gotta watch some more tape then. Um, some interesting <laughs> fights. Oh God, that's the third. What is happening? 
The UFC is putting some weird. Okay. Yeah. Like, this not... order is wrong. Well, the UFC is doing some weird things with their bout order, and I need this explained to me. Because Marlon Vera, Andre Yule is the first fight of the night. Yeah, then, that's then, a weird one. Then you got this is a really good card down at the bottom. Listen to how this goes, guys. You got to indulge me. JJ Aldrich, Lauren Muller. Okay, that should be an opener, but it's not a horrific fight. Marvin Vittori, Andrew Sanchez. That's a good scrap. Then we get what should be the opening fight of the night Hector Aldana, Miguel Baeza. Why is that fight even on the card? Then we got Davis and Figueredo against Tim Elliott. That's a great fight. That should That's be really like that fight. should be a co-main event. Then we got now. There's some really good fights in this card, card guys, and then it gets weird up at the, the very top. Listen to this. This is a re- this may be one of my favorite cards of the year. Now that I'm reading through this, wow. Max Griffin, Alex Morono, love it. Yeah. Okay. Devin Clark, Ryan Span. I like Ryan Span. Okay. That fight should be a little lower down though. James Vick, Nico Price. Yes, mm. please. Okay. Yeah. Eric Anders, Gerald Mearshart. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Luis Pena, Matt Frivola. Yeah. Like like that fight a lot. Mackenzie Dern, Amanda Rivas. We know Joe likes that. I fight. love that fight. I love that fight. Okay. Then we have a fight that, for the love of God, this fight is right behind the co-main. All those great fights I just saw. And then we get to watch Thomas Gifford against Brock Weaver. <laughs> Oh. Thomas Gifford's still here, huh? Yeah, exactly right. What is happening? Like, what is happening? Thomas Gifford on Topology ranked 181 in the world, and Brock Weaver is the fifth-ranked Walter Waite. Are South you sure East this bout order is locked? I mean... That's what Topology yeah. has, but oh my god. A co-main event, Cub Swanson, Cron Gracie. Like that one. Did you Did you hear that uh, Cub, Cub Swanson said... Can't get anyone to train him in jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He's getting kicked out of jujitsu schools because he's uh, fighting Kron Gracie. That's that's so funny. that's interesting. That's really funny. And then our main event, uh, Joanna Violence, Michelle Waterson. So you guys are going to need Joe next week for the uh, main event. So now I actually have a hotter take on the Rebus Dern fight, but that's okay. Yeah, but we all want to know what's going to happen in the main event. Oh shit! Anyway, Wait, Invicta is on now. Oh man! Yeah, uh, you, make sure you, you missed. I, uh, Hope Chase getting a uh, rear naked choke. Oh my God! Has my girl Shino Van Hoos fought yet? Last I saw was Hope Chase. I haven't watched all. Ah oh, man, okay. Invicta baby. Okay. So that's what we got for you guys okay. at two forty three. Good luck in your contest. Make sure and uh, pimp out the contest one more time. Follow all of us on Twitter. Use the hashtag FightIQ. Give us the number of significant strikes landed in our main event. Go to rotowire.com slash free ten days free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. That's enough of us jabbering. We will do more of that next week for UFC Tampa. Good luck in your contest. We'll see you then. Peace.